Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Not today, Satan. Not today. It's going to leave that never again. Amen. Well, that's the title of my message today, Not Today. And I'm going to take you, hopefully, on a journey today because... You know, we've been hearing over the last few weeks um, about the goodness of God, about how good and how all good things come from God. You know, Psalm 84, 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. That's the God we serve. Amen. So why is there bad? Why is there bad in the world? Why is there still things that we could see are not good? Because we have an enemy. We're just saying, but I know the end of this word and I'm really excited, but I need to take you on a journey with me. So bear with me. And I love it. You know, the worship leader in me just wants to carry on worshipping. How awesome was that this morning? The presence of God was just amazing, wasn't it? But you know, oh, just that sense of worship this morning. But I truly believe it's because I've been on this journey with the Word. So I want to take you with me. And then, man, it just affects your worship so much because you realise how awesome God is and how amazing Jesus is. So we know from John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, I think through my life, I've attributed way too much power to the enemy. I've given him way too much kudos. Like I think, oh, I'm not going to do that. Or maybe he's going to attack me here. Or maybe he's going to come and get me here. And, you know, I just started thinking, you know, David Carr touched on it the other week. And I've heard other people teaching on it. And I want us to just go down this train of thought that God created man and he put man on the earth. He also banished the enemy, the devil, to the earth. The universe is massive. The universe that we even know about is huge, absolutely massive. Why did he not put us on different planets? <laughs> why, why did he not put the devil over there and man over here? Because I think he was never supposed to bother us as much as he did. God knows who he created. That, I just want that first little revelation in, to drop in our hearts God knows who he created. He knows how we were created and he knows our potential. So he wasn't worried the fact that we were on the same planet and on the same breathing space as the enemy. And I think that's pretty amazing. So, but Adam and Eve were created in the solace of a perfect garden, Eden. So we find this in Genesis. We're going to read this. And within the garden, they knew no hardship. They knew no pain. They walked and talked with, with God. They had constant communion with him. We know that God created everything. And at the end, he said, it is good. He saw that everything he did was good. And they had everything that they needed. They didn't know death. They didn't know decay or pain or suffering. And there was just one tree that they'd been asked not to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good or evil. And so they were just asked to not eat from one tree. Now, maybe I wish they'd heard the Kanye West song already and it said, baby, should we just leave the apple on the tree because we've got everything that we need? I kind of wish that Eve had heard that and she'd just walked away from the tree. But 
we know that's not what happened. So I'm going to read from Genesis 3, 1 to 6. The verses will come up on the screen. I'm reading from the NIV version right now. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You must not eat from this tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And you'll know good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Okay, so let's have a look at how the enemy worked. He didn't come bounding in, attacking her, scratching at her, biting at her, trying to kill her, destroy her that way. No, what did he do? He, what did he, do? he came in and he started to get Eve to question, did he really say? Is that really what he meant? Is that really what God said? He got He got Eve to question God's word. He got Eve to question what was going on in the background. He got Eve to question, did God really say that? So he got her doubting. He's got her to start thinking, hmm, maybe God is withholding something from me. Maybe there is something else besides God. Maybe there's something more that he's keeping from me. So she started thinking that and we know that she did eat the tr- she ate the fruit and she passed it on to Adam. But let's look at the truth. So this is what maybe she started thinking, but let's look at the truth. They were made in the image of God. They were made and they got to walk with God. So the truth is already that they did have everything. They did have absolutely everything. She wasn't missing out on anything. Now, in God's mercy, she didn't drop down. She didn't die straight away. But yes, they did receive the knowledge of good and evil. But I want you to have a think about that. All they experienced was good. All they knew was good. So what was the one thing that God was withholding? Evil. The knowledge of evil. Evil was there. It was outside the garden. It was there They had no knowledge of it. They had no need for it. They had no awareness of it. Because God was withholding the knowledge of evil because he only ever intended good for us. So now he says, and and it's, you know, God is speaking to Jesus. He says, us, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. But in the protection of the garden, they'd only known good You know, so he wasn't, they didn't drop down dead, but then they were thrown out of the garden and they then knew what it was to toil. They knew pain, they knew decay, they knew death. And these were things that God had never intended. You see, the devil of Halloween and how it's depicted there is ridiculous. We've got our scary, don't be scared, because it's ridiculous, it's not real. We've got a stupid red face and a horn and a, is it there? Anyway, if it doesn't come, it doesn't matter. But did 
did it come up already? Okay. So this is not what the devil looks like. <laughs> that, it's just utterly ridiculous. That is not what the enemy looks like. He doesn't come in and goes, I'm going to get you. Or anything. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of scary, but if anyone saw that really, it's makeup, it's extra. It's not real, is it, Noah? No, it's ridiculous. Absolutely stupid. Okay, he can go away now. He's just ugly. But that's not what the enemy looks like. No, no, no. See, in 2 Corinthians 11:14, it says, For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. The enemy's schemes are not openly to attack, but to fool us into questioning God. Did God really say? Oh, does it really matter if you're a Christian and you do that? Does it really matter if I say X, Y, and Z? Does it really matter? Did God really say that? Are you sure? You know, I think actually you could have that and God. You can live any whole, any way you want, and then just pitch up to church, get all the feels, and then go again. It's fine. Did God really? He just starts questioning what God is saying. But everyone we know is open to be tempted by the enemy. So we know that Jesus himself was tempted by the devil. So we're just going to read through here, Luke 4, 1 to 13. And this is when Jesus was tested in the wilderness. So Jesus, this is NIV as well, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of man, son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully so that they they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Now you see, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He'd been fasting, he'd been praying, he'd been doing all the right things. Do not be surprised if the enemy comes after you when you're on a spiritual high, when you're like ready and raring to go with your plans, with, you know, you're just full of God, full of ready to go. And then he'll just come and take you by surprise. So do not always be alert, always be alert. So let's have a look. Let's break this down though. So verse three, he questioned, first of all, who Jesus was, if you are the son of God. Now, from other scriptures, we can suppose that the enemy knew exactly who Jesus was. He knew exactly who Jesus was. We read later in the scriptures that the demons would try to expose who Jesus was and Jesus had to be quiet. So the demons knew exactly who Jesus was. Jesus knew exactly who he was. But the enemy's scheme here, again, was to get him to question who he was. Are you, if you're the son of God? 
And how many times can we listen to those stupid lies? I'm just indignant now. I'm just annoyed with the enemy. So this is why it is. I will use the word stupid because they are stupid. How many times will we hear, Sarah, if, you know, are you really this? Are you really that? Are you really saved? Are you really even worthy to be a Christian? All lies. It's all lies. As I said, I'm going to bust into some Megan Trainer. Your lips are moving and he's lying. That's all he can do. That's all he knows how to do is lie. That's all he can do. So he was questioning who, who Jesus was. He lo- oh, the enemy just loves to sow seeds of doubt. Verse 5, Satan was then offering Jesus a shortcut. And again, what he claimed was only partially true. So yes, again, big, long theological discussion, but the enemy had some authority on the earth. He had some possession on the earth at that time. But he definitely was not sovereign. God was still absolutely 100% in control. So, But he offered Jesus what actually Jesus had come to get, which was the authority, full authority, and to reign supreme on the earth. And so Satan almost offered him a shortcut. And again, sometimes, guys, beware the shortcut. Beware that, oh, it doesn't really matter if I just do this because we'll get there quicker and it will cost less or and it will happen sooner, da da da, da. But you just know in the back of your mind, mm, that's not, it's not quite above board. It's not quite right. Listen, listen, the shortcuts are always the greatest thing. So Jesus is standing there and he knows that the cross is before him. He knows that the pain and suffering is before him. And here is the enemy with only a partial truth, but he didn't outright, outright lie. There was a partial truth. And he offered him a shortcut to say, I will give you all of this, but you have to worship me. Now, again, scholars argue about maybe this is the reason why he was banished in the first place, because he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted and craved the worship that God received. So he was trying to get something from Jesus. But we know that that's not true. And we know that the enemy is a liar. Verse 9, I love this. So Jesus has replied with, it is written. So then the devil changes tact. So then he starts to say, it is written. Church, the enemy knows how to quote scripture and he knows how to twist scripture. So here he starts um, quoting Psalm 91. Now, again, it's scripture, it's true, but he's twisting it. He's using it out of context. He's using a paragraph out of context for the rest of it. Don't believe every meme you see on Insta or Facebook or anything that partially quotes a scripture or puts a little line of scripture next to another thought to seemingly validate what they're trying to say. This is why it was imperative that Jesus knew his scripture. He knew the word of God. Not only did he know the word of God, he knew the heart of God. He knew what that scripture was in context of the heart of God. He knew what it meant to be so close to the Father that even if he could take this word, this word, this word, this word and make a sentence that seemed to look like something holy, He knew, hang on, that's not what God meant. That was not God's intention. So again, be full of the Holy Spirit. Be full of the Word of God. So you not only know the Scripture, but you know the context, and you know the Scripture giver as well, more importantly. Because he started to twist what the Scripture said. And then after that, the devil left him. So Jesus withstood. But he says the enemy left him, but only until an opportune time. That wasn't it. And we read on that Jesus then begins his ministry in earnest. 
You know, how many times have people listened to the enemy and fallen for his schemes, and then that was it for the ministry. That was it for what God wanted to use them for. You know, as I said, don't be fooled. He doesn't rock up and try and scare us, obviously. No, he appears like a juicy piece of gossip. He offers you an opportunity to be offended. A little flirting with a married co-worker in the office. You know, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, do you know what, today's the day I'm going to wreck my marriage. Today feels like a great day to go and have a full-on affair and wreck my marriage. It doesn't really happen like that, does it? It's the odd conversation and the, and the odd comment that makes you feel good because it looks good. It's the odd bit of attention that makes you feel appreciated because it looks good. <laughs> it's the odd thing that goes on and on. And then six months later, we can look back and go, how did I get here? How, how did I get here? Because if you'd have asked me six months ago, would you ever have an affair or whatever it is, I'm just using that as an example. You'd be like, no way, I would never do that. Because if someone came up to you and was like, hey, hey, baby, this is my best checkout line. <laughs> Want to get it on? You'd be like, oh, no, thank you. Keep walking. <laughs> and you know, if, like, I don't know, I'm rubbish with celebrities. I don't find any celebrities attractive because obviously I'm married to the most gorgeous man ever. So celebrities don't really do it for me. But anyway, just imagine some celebrity comes up or some real girls, some real bad boy comes up and he comes rocking up to you and he's like, let me take you out. I don't know, whatever they say. <laughs> I've clearly not done this for a long time. You're going to easily go, uh, no, thank you. Off you go. But let me tell you, girls, the one that comes in worshipping. Do you want to meet around mine on Friday night for a Bible study? Shall we get together and pray? It will just be us two. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, he loves Jesus. Oh, he's a good boy. He's a good man. Oh, it's fine. Well, let's meet together. We're going to pray. How did we end up in bed? How did we end up here? Because it's not the obvious, it's the masquerading as light. Now that's one example. There could, be, there could be hundreds of other examples. But this is what I want to say to you. He doesn't come, obviously, to go, ah, I'm here. But we cannot be fooled. And that's why 1 Peter 5 says we have to be alert. We have to be alert to his schemes. We have to be alert because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour the enemy is intentional about our downfall. Are we intentional about knowing how he works, about his schemes, but also how to defeat him? Because this is what excites me. He's a defeated foe. He's defeated. He's already lost. He's already lost. We know. And if you're brand new to church today, then I'm, I'm sure you've been in an Easter service where Jesus died on the cross. And I'm going to go into more detail why that was so important in a moment. But he's already defeated because of what Jesus did on the cross. But I just want to look here at, in detail at this scripture in Peter. Humble yourselves. So 1 Peter 5, 6 to 9. I think this is NIV. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. You know, I would also say that there is nothing new under the sun. <laughs> well, you know, there isn't. So it's not even just the, the people around the world are going through the same things. It's people with the generations past have gone through the same things. There is generally nothing new. And that's why if we're aware we can see the enemy a mile off and we can. And if we always just have our hearts in that position. But I want to look through this scripture and just pick it apart a little bit because there's some really important things of how we can protect ourselves. The first thing is to humble ourselves. And so the first line is, humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. So the opposite of that is pride, isn't it? Yeah. So the opposite, any pride, you let pride in, you let, oh, I'm better than this person. I'm better than that. Or no, bless God, they're not going to tell me what to do. Okay, you just have opened the door wide for the enemy to walk in. So there's pride. But then let's look at the next scripture. Cast all your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. Now they seem like they're at the opposite end of the spectrum you've got pride and then you've got anxiety but actually they're almost the same thing because it doesn't matter whether you're full of pride or full of anxiety it's all about you it's all about who I am it's all about me it's all about what I want what I need I'm not good enough or I'm too good (laughs) I'm I can't do it or I can do it all do you see what I mean it all it just takes Jesus out of the equation so somewhere in the middle is no Okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or who gives me strength. That's the position of the heart. So either spectrum is is not great. Then you open a foothold for the enemy to come. So cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. And then it says resist him, standing firm in the faith. And that's why these times of worship, these times of gathering together, why we're so, um, what's the word, so excited about having midweek groups and having things going on is because that's how you stand firm in the faith that's how you build your faith by hearing the word by reading the word is how you build your faith so it's all of those things are so important you know because again we'll just get those little whispers but does God really care for you can you really trust him oh this is the pride yeah the pride bit you know what, you're a much better singer than that person. So if you just bad mouth her, we could get her kicked off the worship team. <laughs> I'm like joking, but things like this happen. <laughs> or equally, I'm not good enough to do that, so I'm not going to do it. I, I don't feel good enough, so I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to step down and I'm not going to do it anymore. Pride, anxiety. But it's the little whispers, that's what it sounds like. He does, the devil doesn't go... Sarah, I am now going to give you anxiety. He doesn't. It's just that little drip of, are you sure you can do that? You made a real idiot of yourself just then. What were those chat-up lines? Everyone's going to be laughing about those for the rest of the day. And it's those little drips, drips, drips. And that's why, as I said, he is intentional about destroying you. So to counteract those drips, have you got that drip, drip, drip of the word, that drip, drip, drip of worship, that drip, drip, that constant filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope this is useful and helpful. So as we read also in the first scripture, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now, let's be real. Sometimes we blame the devil for things. And he's just standing there going, 
I'm just sitting back and watching the show, love. You are doing this all by yourself. You're like, we're there, messing stuff up, walking this way, we know he's not right, doing this thing, doing that thing. And he's like, give me the praise if you want to, but I'm just watching you hang yourself. Yeah? So again, it's knowing the word, (laughs) knowing and living ready for God. Yeah, don't give him glory. Absolutely. But this church is why we need a saviour to save us from ourselves, from the first Adam to Joseph, Jesus' father, not biological father, um, stepfather, we proved as a species that on the whole, we can't do it. There were only a few that got it right, but the masses, we suck. (laughs) We cannot do it, and that is why we needed a saviour. We can't walk blameless on our own. We need need a saviour, yeah? So, but once we know his schemes and once we know his destiny, the enemy's destiny, once we understand God's plan and power he's placed in us, we can stop being on the defensive and start moving in the attack and moving in the plans and the power that God has given us. Amen? Amen? So I want to read this. I love this. So this is from the um, Passion Translation, and it's Colossians 1.15. And this is the scripture I get so excited. So when we're singing that song, oh my gosh, Ollie, twice. You wrecked me twice. I've absolutely lost it in the reflections. And I thought, right, I've got it all out of my system now. And then we come and we sing that song again. And I'm, so yeah, I probably look like a Halloween costume right now. I don't know what the eyeliner's doing. Okay, good. So, but the reason I get so passionate about it and all of the songs, what a wonderful name he is. What a beautiful name. He is. You know, all of those songs, there's so much truth in all those songs, but I'm excited because of this scripture, the supremacy of Christ. And I want this to drop into your spirits today. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it was all created through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Isn't that amazing? Back to the original intent, restored to innocence again. That's why Jesus had to endure the cross. That's why the devil was trying to get him to take a shortcut. Because Jesus may have left with reigning the earth, or he would have been left with nothing because we know the devil will offer and he's a liar and he never pays up. But that's why it was so important that Jesus went to the cross because he had to complete God's plan of restoration. He knew he could not partner with what the enemy was offering, because he was sent to destroy him, (laughs) so that we might be saved. Amen? Amen. And then in the next chapter in Colossians 2, 14 to 15, I love this. I really, guys, we need to get to know what side we're on. 
this morning, if we believe in Jesus Christ, this is the side we are on. And there are only two sides in this battle. Can I tell you, there are only two sides. He says, you are either with me or you're against me. There are only two choices, okay? But this is the side I'm on, and it excites me. He cancelled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all, all our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam, the first Adam, has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Amen. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as his prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his Isn't that amazing, church? Isn't that amazing? He has stripped from them that power and authority. Don't give the enemy one ounce of authority or power in your life. Don't even for a second. We serve a God that is good. A God that is good. And when we are aware of the enemy schemes, even for a second, and this is why I called it Not Today. And that's why I love that song. And thank you, Brit, for singing it. I love that song, Not Today. Because every morning I want to wake up and go, today, not today. Not today, Satan. Not today. Today's not the day I'm going to start the beginning of the wrecking of my marriage. Today's not the day I'm going to start listening to that anxiety. Today's not the day I'm going to start listening to that pride. Not today. Not today. And that's why I want us to stand in that position of not today. Because I serve an awesome God. Because I serve a Jesus that came and paid everything. And that is why when we sing, he is everything that we need. Because that everything encompasses all of that. And that is why when I stand there and we sing, I've not come for the blessing. I've not come for the blessing. I've just come for him because he has done so much already. He has done so much already. That original intent that God had was to reconcile us back with the Lord. Church, I hope you're excited. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I'm going to ask Julian to just come. And again, maybe there are people here today that don't know Jesus, don't know what I'm talking about. And Julie's just going to take a few moments just to talk about that. But let's make a choice today that we're not going to let the devil have even a crack in our wall. We're not even going to let him have a tiny bit. There are tons of scriptures. I could have studied and talked on this for hours and hours and hours. Go and read Romans 5, and it talks about the first Adam and the second Adam. Go and read about the armour of God in Ephesians. Go and read all of those things that we can do. We have so much in our power to cover ourselves from actually what I'm more realising, this puny enemy that we have. He's already defeated. The Bible is full of it. So no more. Not today. Not today. You don't get to win today. Amen. Thanks for listening to Comchurch Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.